0: Hello and welcome to Discussing Documentaries. Today's documentary seems very, very apt because the weather outside is raining. It's very grey. It's the middle of summer in England. So that's the perfect weather for this documentary because this documentary is called Soaked in Bleach. And it is about the death of Kurt Cobain. And it's set around uh, Seattle, Washington. More more, uh, more, exactly, it was also in Aberdeen, Washington, which is the state of Washington, which is the top of America on the left hand side, as you look at it, just below Canada. And just for regular listeners of the podcast, it's just above Portland. Go Mavericks, go Mavericks. So (laughs) I am Matt Wills and this is Rick Wharton. Say hello, Rick. Hello there, Matt. Right. And we will just be discussing our thoughts and feelings on Soaked in Blood. Uh, Sorry, Soaked in Bleach. I I don't know. I've got Soaked in Blood in my head for some reason. Um, It's clearly obvious that Rick chose this podcast
1: this is very much a Rick Wharton pick right here. absolutely
0: this is this, is... <laughs> this has got you written all over it by my, my northern friend so just give us your general synopsis because I, I I think you understand more about this than I do
1: okay so 1994 I believe it was Kurt Cobain, yeah. uh ruled suicide and basically there was a private investigator hired to tail Kurt Cobain in the days leading up to his death and all the uh, evidence he uncovered, coming up to it, and this this case has kind of haunted his career due to the popularity of Kirk Cobain. So he goes into hi- in depth his side of the story, and I just love the way it's put together. There's a great documentary. The way it's, I thought you would, because I mean, like even the title sequence, like it, it does, it, it keeps you in it. The title sequence comes. It's news reports. It's, it's yeah. footage. Of, like the the news reporter. that today the lead singer of nirvana was found dead apparent suicide and then it's got uh voice recordings because um the private investigator recorded everything so they'll have voice recordings of them saying
0: absolutely yeah, paranoid."
1: basically they, there was like three lines that hooked you in saying that um he says they've got it wrong they're not looking at the right areas and things like that so it just hooks you in straight away
0: but for me this documentary um it it had zero goosebump moments. There was <laughs> there was nothing inspiring. There was um, <laughs> I wasn't lifted up in any way. There were lots of positives in this in this uh, documentary. So the way it was put together was effectively it was you kept cutting to his tapes of all of his recordings because whenever he spoke to anyone, he was recording it. And then they did, which
1: I love, by the way, I uh, we'll get the
0: authenticity that. of it. That just added to it, didn't it? Um, Yeah. And then they had reenactments from, I think what we can agree, is that's a great cast of actors,
1: right? Uh, The way they... Because the the bits that aren't fascinating here and how people are talking candidly about what's going on to the overblown reenactment. So if we get into it, the private investigator, I believe, was called Tom Grant. Is that right?
0: Yeah, Tom Grant. That's it, yeah.
1: So Tom Grant... um, and they go through and first they give you a quick little bio of him. Apparently the most honest man who ever <laughs> lived.
0: <laughs> it wasn't just that. What what the guy said, right? What the guy said, I made a note of it. He said, whenever you look into a private investigator, if you lift the lid a little bit, there's always dirt. But not for Tom Grant. Yeah. He's a stand-up
1: guy. Is he? Captain America Tom Allen yeah. is just
0: and what did he say about so so the Tom Grant spoke about his dad, and I made a note of this because it just—it yep. absolutely fascinated me. Um, right, so he starts talking about his dad, and he says, "I never caught my dad in a lie. He was the best yep. role model." Why is that, Tom? Because he's a great liar. <laughs> What's <that>? <laughs> <laughs> I dislike Tom Grant immediately, and normally, yep. I—I like everybody. There's not—I I know I could probably count on my hand in my life the number of people I dislike. Tom has made me use the other hand, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's so brilliant. It's so like prim and proper. They got the photo of him at the police academy. They don't talk about why he left the police and became a private investigator. No, but he does
0: point out, I left the police and I was very well respected. Really? What would you leave for then, Mr. Grant? So uh, and- I
1: got I got to quickly ask um, a practical question now. You said yesterday that the documentary was available on YouTube.
0: It was, but sadly it was in uh, it was German. All the didn't ten- I
1: find that out at five in the morning?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I started so- watching it, and all the because it kept cutting to information.
1: And- Thank God you did the right thing because I was just like, listen, there's a lot of important stats and figures I just didn't understand the German for.
0: Well, d- no, basically the. Um- uh, the the, the, the the crux of it, so the the beginning text basically said, Courtney Love hired Tom Grant to find out where Kurt Cobain went. And a few days later, Kurt Cobain died. All we're doing is presenting the evidence and it's up to you to make up your mind. And I was like, oh, okay, all right then. But it wasn't. The whole documentary was Courtney bloody Love did it, which I don't oh, know if she I did, did she? I,
1: I adore the way they did the reenactments right this is worth watching the documentary yes. on you watch it so Absolutely. you see tom 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 i want to say tom allen is tom grant, tom grant yeah this. Tom, tom tom allen's the yeah he, he's the he's the camp comedian which again he would have been great in this role he would
0: he's very funny actually i've seen him live a few times he's worth
1: seeing. oh we did a did a roast battle with him but um so the first reenactment is brilliant because it's him in his office with three staff members and it's very Elliot Noir because like, the staff member, like, the guy's in his shirt, tie, suspenders and they're sitting around and it says it's Easter Sunday and then the phone rings and the reenactment goes, who calls on Easter? It's like you've got four people in the office. <laughs> who makes people work on Easter, Tom?
0: She went through the phone book and nobody else answered apart from me. Well, because well, it done. was Easter, yeah. Yeah, you hero. Got
1: all those, all those strict Catholic private investigators they've got in LA. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because the 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 way he portrays himself is very much the truth doesn't take a day off.
0: Yes, absolutely. He is so the, self-righteous. It's the sickening. truth works
1: bank holidays. <laughs> So but he actually, gets but the call. But
0: the, actually, the reenactment, just before uh, you cut to that scene, um, the reenactment actually starts with Tom and Kurt Cobain's, one of his best friends from when he was a kid. They, they, they're breaking yes. into a house. Yeah, so that's he's right. They're going losing in. losing credibility because he's like, let's just break into this gaff. Like, come on in,
1: get the swag bag. It does jump around with timelines, which the German subtitles made that slightly difficult if I hadn't already seen. <laughs> That. So it starts with Dylan, and Dylan's like one of Kirk Cobain's mates who survives because he's Kirk Cobain's friend, I guess. Who, believe it or not, I identified with on a level I'm not comfortable
0: with. <laughs> so just to point out, uh, Kirk Cobain was a heroin addict, right? Um, yes. I don't, know, uh, yeah, I don't exactly. know much about the fella. Um, his wife was Courtney Love, um, and they had a child together. And as far as I can make out, she was a heroin addict as well. Mm. And... Um, as was, yeah, this guy. What was his name? Dylan, you said.
1: Dylan, yeah. He was one of the kind of the the entourage yes. of Kirk Cobain. yeah, yeah.
0: And he was passed to the private investigator by Courtney Love.
1: Yes. To, to help he him out. Between. Yeah, yeah. Before little weird things, like he would have to call her. She didn't want to talk to the PI. Yeah. They talk to Dylan. And that all, uh, that all gets into it. But again, so... He, he works out who Kurt Cobain was, and then he goes to see Courtney Love in the hotel. And now from this point on, I love the documentary because he turns up all prim and proper, <coughs> no like <coughs> white meat baby face Captain America. <laughs> Hello, madam. I, I'm here to <laughs> I'm here to help you find the truth. And she turns up, and she's uh, she's wearing like a negligee.
0: There's two people behind her snogging
1: yeah because they're in a hotel yeah, yeah. room
0: yeah those people are not discussed or mentioned in any way shape or form
1: yeah courtney cox lives like the manson family courtney love, love like... courtney
0: cox is from friends that's <laughs> oh that's, shit sorry monica <laughs> <laughs> the thing is about courtney courtney love um so she went on to become an actress so she was in the film the people versus larry flint Right, um, which is all about the guy who set up uh, Hustler magazine. Um, mm, all right, and he's and the um, it's absolutely brilliant, played by which seems to be a theme in the show. Woody Harrelson makes a uh, is is back into the podcast world with us, Rick. Aye. Um,
1: big fan of Woody.
0: Right, so uh, she yeah she plays his wife in in the in the film uh, The People versus yep. Larry Flint, and effectively she's exactly the same as the character. Uh, in this documentary oh really exactly and that's why i was facebook messaging you going is is this real is that actually courtney love playing courtney love in the reenactment because it was so similar to how she behaved in the people versus larry flint it was yeah i I didn't understand the reenactments at all initially
1: because uh the only thing i'd seen her in is man on the moon
0: of course because she's um
1: yeah, she's she, she's Kaufman's love interest. That's yeah.
0: right. Yeah, Andy Kaufman's yeah girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Right. So. Uh... Right,
1: so one second. There's a there's a thing on the first reenactment. Oh yeah. So I get to the door and the first thing she says to me, and she's like wearing like a baby doll <laughs> and, uh, and thigh high stockings, and just like slouched over, and just like, if you leaked us to the press, I'll sue the fuck out of you. <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, just like, and then the actress, without saying anything, like, natural to a script or dialogue, like, bends over in front of them and just shows them.
0: She is basic instincting the hell out of it, isn't she?
1: I gotta be honest. If there's ever, if I'm ever in a documentary where I have creative control, I'm going to make you, your character, be like a slutty Courtney (laughs) Cox.
0: I want that actress to play me in the film of my life. I want her to play me. That's what I want but from the off right so you it cuts to a conversation um and it basically it's it, it's very cleverly done so and it gives you the text of the conversation i don't know you would have seen that in german i ended up renting it for 99 pence so uh i said um, it was yeah that was the smart that's where the smart money was um and he says to her from the off right he, he's call, he's calling her a barefaced liar from the off you're a liar i don't believe you and you killed your husband he, he just makes it so clear from the off. Was he an uh, executive producer on this? Uh,
1: yeah, this is him getting his story out, which uh, comes to a reason for that later in the documentary. Oh. But very quickly, it shows you, like, so you have that reenactment where she comes and she hires him and she's saying how he's a baby and, you know, he can't be trusted, he might kill himself, yes. he might kill himself, yeah, he might yeah. kill himself. Like, now, bear in mind, at this stage, times. Kurt
0: Cobain is worth tens of millions of dollars they reckon what now what did they say later on a billion in um, a billion in, in revenue royalties, yeah. yeah
1: in royalties yeah so but it then cuts to tom grant and very quickly they start talking about the impact this case has had on his life
0: yes i i think um, about his his name goes through my mind at least 300 times a day at least tom
1: really <laughs> hey and, and you got to remember this tom grant doesn't lie
0: tom grant doesn't lie he is a stand up guy I just disliked and, uh, him from the off.
1: Because the minute he says he gets emails, and even the way he's talking and like the pride he has in himself, you know he responds to every single one of those emails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like That's not, that's a guy sat off a typewriter explaining why he's right it's 10 <laughs> times a day. Then it goes to Aberdeen, Washington. They meet his childhood friends. They explain how the area is low employment. Um, and then they show you two friends, John and Brett, John and Brett Ball, I think they're called. And they're sat out on a porch on two, like, kind of swinging chairs. Like, yeah. Yeah. have you ever seen the movie Kingpin? With Woody Harrelson again, Bill Murray? No. Oh, there's two characters in the beginning. They're only in it for two scenes, but they live opposite Woody Harrelson as a field baller. And um, they're walking out. And one of them just says, hey, Roy can you get sick drinking piss? <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> he's like, I think you can. Even if it's your own, yeah. And it just, it these two sat on the porch looking out as all these people are doing stuff with their lives. just completely reminded me of those two. But um, the
0: weird thing is about Aberdeen, Washington, so uh, it's, it, 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 apparently it rains for nine months of the year. I, I think that's, I think that's the same place where um, it's a similar area where the Twilight novels are set. Um, right. Because the vampires can live there because it's so, that's how gray it is. They set vampire land there for Twilight. Oh shit. Um, right. But the bands who came from, so Soundgarden came out of the same town as Kirk. Yeah. LeBanc. Alice
1: and Chains, like lived down the street. Yeah. yeah. Melvin.
0: Um, his next door neighbor, uh, they, they were quite a famous band as well, weren't they? So um yeah, about yep. the area, the misery of the area produces really great rock bands.
1: But miserable kids, like... These, sh- <laughs> these shitty goth kids that you got to meet. There's one with, like, a devil Gorty and tinted glasses that you're just like, <laughs> oh, my... <laughs> just terrible, terrible goth kids. And he's got one friend, uh, and uh, Mitch Hollomquist, which I kept reading that as Mitch Holocaust, Um do you know which one I mean? Yes, I do. He looks, yeah, that
0: was his best friend, right? Who Again, he, he, he did the welling up.
1: To me, I was just like, if he's not a tattoo artist, he is a barber who wants to be a tattoo artist. That look, if I was playing Pictionary, that is exactly who I would draw for someone working in the tattoo parlour. A,
0: a young J- John Goodman would play him in the film.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah with a neck tattoo. A
0: heavy set man. But a lot of the time, um, so, and the film centres around Tom Grant, and then it cuts to various people who are real people uh, being in, uh, being interviewed. So they get like a pathologist in, they get a toxicology person in, a handwriting expert in. And did you notice this? Just whenever they were being interviewed, they were in a room that behind them... Well,
1: it was raining.
0: ...raining the whole time. Um, yeah. And the, the glass was slanted so you could see the rain... It was the perfect room just to go. Yeah. This place is really miserable.
1: Yeah, it's just constantly yeah. it raining.
0: It was. Let's set the atmosphere. Make sure it's raining for everyone we interview.
1: Without a doubt, without a doubt, I even made a comment of I. I for some reason I like they get the transitional shots for this documentary. Brilliant. Every time they mention the place, they'll, like. You know, they go back to the miserable town. They've got a shot where the camera yeah. moves up and establishes over a quiet lake. It just feels yeah. eerie, like Jesus, I might actually blow my brains out if I lived here. Sort of feeling. It's given you every time you look at it. The bridge and they then kept cutting
0: to, I think that's Kurt Cobain Bridge. You know, when yeah, they... yeah. I think that's hit the bridge they named after him. I think that's when you uh, know you've made it as a human being. When when they're naming bridges after you, that's when you like. Not if you're
1: known for your suicide. (laughs) But there
0: is (laughs) (laughs) But suicide, or alleged suicide, because the whole documentary, let's be honest now, so there's spoilers in everything me and Rick do. We're going to spoil everything. Um, The whole thing seemed to me, it was just a, can we please lock up Courtney Love? That's all they wanted to do. Uh, They just wanted to, she's like, oh, I banged her rights. Did you get the feeling she was guilty?
1: well from that documentary yeah <laughs> it's difficult not to see the theme um because cool, i'm did, an underdog but... fan
0: i'm always like no she'll be all right it's too... no
1: to me tom grant is like the private investigator version of ricky e. gervais in the office he's the david brent do you know what yes I mean? he, very good he is yeah, yeah. he is acting up for the camera he knows how he looks in every situation so it's just white meat cut baby face it's literally like when he he knocks on the door and um courtney love comes to it in like a different outfit than she was in earlier just just as raunchy like anniversary special level of negligee and she just might as well be like i was about to order some cock are you the room service (laughs) (laughs) and he's like no madam you hired me to find the truth (laughs) and he
0: went sometime the clients think they're hiring me to help them they're not. They're hiring me to find the truth.
1: And when you hire me, I'll tell you. I'll tell you every single time. This investigation might go to places you're not comfortable with because <laughs> my responsibility is to the truth.
0: <laughs> but, and here's the – there's a few reasons I didn't I didn't like him. One, his camera angle when he was genuinely being interviewed, so everyone else was a fo- sort of straight on camera angle, Um, It was mid to high, wasn't it? He was just profile. Yeah, and it was almost like he was looking down his nose at you as he spoke, which just, I was like, you you prick.
1: Um, I think he's literally, if you look at the tension in him when he's talking, it's going to be hard to describe this. The tension in him when he's talking, he just wants to scream the camera down going, listen, you dumb guss, I missed the greenhouse. (laughs) Stop emailing me. And he's trying to hold that back so he can get his point across eloquently so much
0: because that didn't come in until like 40 minutes into the documentary so he did he you ever watch doctor who that. yeah yeah all the time love Doctor. do you
1: know doctor. the little the, the military race with the mole heads and you hit them on the back of the head yep. yeah yeah, or, yeah. On... with the rhinoceros rem- type people uh no there's the rhinoceros type people but there's also like they're oh, like the round-headed heads.
0: guys yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah he reminds me of them just as just as compact Yes. Tension that he has always ready to <laughs> fight for the truth. And
0: they don't laugh either, do they?
1: No, no, he's not found something funny since nineteen eighty four.
0: But I was, a, see, I, I was brought up in the East End of London, right? And I was sort of brought up in the car trade, right? So my dad was in the car game and um, every one of his mates has got, a he's, they've all been touched by Dodgy, right? They're all a little bit sort of Phil Mitchell from East Enders. And the one thing you don't do is you don't grass, right? You know, snitches get stitches and all of that. Um, and one of the first things Tom says is, um, uh, <laughs> most of the time when I was with Courtney Love, she was either high or doing drugs. Come on, that's not your place to say, Tom. Don't You're already trying it's, to do her as a murderer. Don't try and do it, her as
1: a... got to be honest, that's Courtney Love in 1994. I'd be surprised if she wasn't.
0: But why does he have to say it? He's just trying to discredit her.
1: It just, that seemed mean. And again, as a private investigator in Hollywood, he's almost surprised to be around it. Yes, that's right. Like, yeah. like the amount he looks like, he's just not like, even the reenactment, if they're doing drugs, he's looking straight ahead, asking about his expense report because he doesn't want to be deposed at what he saw. Yeah, because don't get in the way of the and, truth. And keeping the coat on in those hotel rooms cracks me up for some reason. It just reminds me of my dad. I said this to you yesterday. <laughs> Like the way he keeps on that uh, no unbranded coat, that's got all of his things in the pockets. Do you know what I mean? He's just he's
0: he's got pointex the pens. That's the so basically Kurt Cobain goes missing, doesn't he?
1: And the whole thing of it was he was in rehab, yes, about to be released, and he's stated and wrote to Courtney that he wants a divorce. There is a prenuptial agreement, which means she'll get very little money in the divorce, yep. which is then building moat of. Um and Courtney is talking about it a lot and how she wants to kind of get him on a prenup, prove he's cheated on her, and so this is over like the three day period. But it's it's the idea that he's um he's wearing the wire, and that always fascinates me. Wearing the wire because he he records every conversation he has. Well, for even every
0: phone conversation he's got the machine hooked yeah. up and
1: now, uh, this is going into modern day. Have you seen the Johnny Depp tips? No. So Amber Heard, Johnny Depp, there was a huge thing about a year ago about how Johnny Depp was an abusive husband, right? and then he now went to court, Johnny Depp lost everything, he got kicked out of Paris the Caribbean, whatever opportunities he lost out on, and then it came out that apparently Amber Heard is the arsehole in the relationship, she's the abusive one, she's the aggressive one, and Johnny Depp has recordings of her, and I've listened to the recordings, but... It's always... The, it was the same with the, what the last did to Mel Gibson. Like the, Mel Gibson's new wife did that to him and messed him over. But the way he does the recordings, because he knows the tape is running. Yes. She does not. Yes. And, it's, so it's, the way, it. and it's so calm the way he does it. Like, she's in and he's just like, I want to talk to you about what happened earlier. Johnny, don't talk to me like that. He goes, no. I want to know why you punched me in the face with your left hand. it's <laughs> Everything is leading to... uh. Like getting a confession out of it. What did you say to me on the seventh of July? Yeah, you called me. You called me this and that, didn't you? And it's just it's just leading them up. Um,
0: it was so contrived because he was in control the whole time because he's a clean cut. Yeah. he's a clean cut guy, right?
1: Well, he was in Donny Brasco, wasn't he? So he knows how to wear the wire. <laughs> um. So
0: basically, Tom Grant's hired to try and find Kurt Cobain, and he's checking all over the place. And then Courtney says, "Oh, he uh, he does love staying in a hotel." He's like, "Oh, does, does he? Why, why didn't you tell me this three days ago?" And she says, "Oh, yeah, he uses um, he uses fake names all the time." And yeah. the fake name that he uses is Bill Bailey.
1: Bill Bailey cracked me up. I thought that was brilliant. Oh,
0: that was a lovely name to use. That was... <laughs>
1: Uh, uh, that would just be perfect if uh, the the tr- the trekkie superstar comedian was involved in the Cobain case. Yeah. But around this time, when she talked about the hotels, she's like openly saying how she's putting out into the press that he's that he's a suicidal and b she's yeah. having suicide attempts. So she comes back to him like she is full on crackers. Yeah, like... she's
0: manipulating the pre- well. She believes she's manipulating the press. And because she's lying, he, Tom Grant is not happy with this at all in any way, shape or form. You know, he's like, what? I, I wouldn't say anything to the press if I was you.
1: He, There's the um, that, then at the end of that reenactment. That's when she says the save the American icon, Tom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> But she then starts, um, which is basically Tom Grant's setting her up, basically, to, to be guilty is the way I looked at it. So I was on... I basically chose a side, and it wasn't his side. I chose her side, because um, basically uh, she. Then I would started... be
1: very easily manipulated by her as well. Yeah, I might very. Cut well to the chest. Yeah,
0: right. I'll go and do some smack with her. Why not? Um, so,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've got flannel shirts. I could hang out with those guys.
0: <laughs> I'm easily manipulated, and don't be don't mind being told what to do. Uh, I worked in an office for years. What do you think that's all about? It's exactly <laughs> the same. So. She then says she starts putting out stuff to the press and so she filed a missing persons report to the police um, and she said she was his mum, which I found very bloody weird. Um, yep. And then she says, well, he might be killing himself because there's the Cobain curse.
1: I have been looking forward to this moment. This is one of my favourite things in the documentary is the Cobain curse.
0: So well, go on, t- tell us about Kirk Cobain's uncle.
1: So the Kurt Cobain's uncle was a police officer who walked into a bar, sat on the stool, his gun fell out of his holster, discharged, <laughs> he asked if everyone was alright, and then he collapsed dead.
0: <laughs> I know, I shouldn't laugh at that, right?
1: Come on, that is but, Chief Wiggum.
0: Yes, Chief Wiggum. What? exactly. One on one. It's the fact, though, that you can see the the man was clearly a loving, kind man, right? Because he went, is everybody okay? Good. Then I can now die. And he just drops down dead. <laughs> um...
1: See, I've got a bit like, he's, he's got that Simpsons. Uh-oh, spaghetti Ah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. And the chief says if I drop my gun again, he's going to take it off me.
0: <laughs> and then wasn't there, there was another death, wasn't there?
1: And there was another one that they said was suicide. But then when they talked to the, the childhood friends, they dispelled that and said, no, he was drunk and he fell down some stairs.
0: Yes, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Um...
1: So the but, Cobain curse is really being dyspraxic.
0: Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. just <laughs> incredibly badly coordinated. Uh, and we've given it a name, so, and then at the forty-minute mark, you finally get to the fact that something happened, right? Because all of this time, I I didn't know any of this story, right? I I know yeah. Kurt Cobain had died. So when he died, I was what? I was twenty-three. How how old were you? Four.
1: What's the 1994
0: three? So I'll be seven, right? Okay, so I was 20. So I was hanging around with a load of South African grunge lovers, right? Yeah, and they were destroyed. And they told me, like, they went, Kurt Cobain's died, and I'm like, oh, I uh, I have no idea who that is. And they're like, he's the lead singer of Nirvana, and I'm like, yeah, that 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 gives me nothing to work on, lads. Uh, I like George Michael, um. And Black Lace. That's what I like. <laughs> I liked Queen and Wham. That was my musical taste. Music's not my thing.
1: The idea that it wasn't a suicide. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't a suicide. This whole reverence because they bought into the idea that music was becoming too corporate and he didn't want to deal with the, the the message put out and, and into this world and, and the sad the sad part of the story, other than you know, a life was lost and possibly murdered, is that there was copycats of teenagers yes. 64 killing people. themselves. Sixty four people. Sixty-four people. Themselves. Wow. Yeah, yeah. In now, I've got to be like honest, there. I think at least sixty-three of those people would have killed themselves anyway. Me they too. just found yeah. Kurt Cobain as a reason first.
0: Yeah. If you ever read um you ever read the comic book Preacher? No. There's a character in there called Arseface. And is that an Amazon show now, pretty It is now an Amazon show, yeah. Uh, it's a great, a great graphic novel. Superb. Um, and face, the character, basically his face looks like a sphincter because um, basically he went to kill himself like Kurt Cobain did or allegedly did and he didn't die. Basically, he just blew his face off. So, um, yeah, he's, he's called face, and the whole... It's absolutely brilliant, but that's I did. That's reading the preacher was the first time I, I understood about Kurt Cobain, and that was right. That was a good twenty years after he'd killed himself, allegedly. So yeah, forty minutes in, basically an electrician goes to the house, and he goes to the greenhouse in the house, which, as far as I can work out, was the room upstairs to the garage. Yeah, and yeah. It's not what we'd yeah. call a greenhouse in England, is it? And, and the
1: first time you see that it's so ominous in the rain the panning shot up the windows make it look like you ever seen amityville horror
0: yes what well, no i've never uh, i can't watch horror films but i i know the look you mean
1: iconic like the window looks like eyes and it's like yeah. the way the rain's coming down on it but that is the big sticking point for Tom Grant throughout his career because yes. he missed the greenhouse. Yeah, like he went and checked the house two or three times. We
0: broke into the oh, house because that... Uh, that was that yeah. was scene one, <laughs> and he checked the whole house looking for Kirk Cobain, apart from this one thing.
1: Really, and then, uh yeah, and he he goes into that in a few interviews, and people have even said, "Oh, we went back in the dark, and if you didn't know, yeah, it was there." But they, because I think, it's...
0: but they, um, basically he's like, I get emails about this, I get death threats over this, you know, how could I have missed this? And he goes, it was raining. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Dylan, his guide, who took into the house and broke broke into the house with him, he didn't mention the, uh, he he didn't mention no. the, the the greenhouse, which was incredibly strange for a heroin addict to forget stuff, you know. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. He's there going If I hang out with this guy for 12 hours, then I get another fix. 12 hours. Yeah. 11 hours, 55 minutes, I get a fix. 11 hours, 55 minutes.
0: The Joneses are kicking in, and he's just, let's just count this down till my next fix. Come on.
1: But then they go into a little bit further on the spin of the time, because there was an incident in Rome, which they said was a suicide attempt, and then they checked with the doctor. It wasn't. But the drug they said he had, it was because he mixed champagne and rehypnol.
0: Yeah. Now, rehypno is a, a horse tranquilizer, right? Now that's ketamine, isn't it? Um, yeah, so it blanks your mind and uh, yeah makes you just very stoned. Yeah, and he, he he accidentally overdosed. Which I mean, who in the room here can't say they've done that? Come on, we've all accidentally overdosed, you didn't? You know.
1: I gotta be honest. If I had his money, I'd be dead within three weeks as well. Due, due, due to Courtney Cox, probably. Three weeks uh, I, <laughs> I, I
0: wouldn't make Friday. Would you? What do you want? I think what, what I like about all uh, singer songwriters, and this this is from rap artists to George Michael to Kurt, Kurt Cobain, effectively they're all quite sweet sweet people. They're all poets, aren't they? They're all mm. genuinely they they're just quite sweet. And every oh, time you've it comes. to an a adorable picture, heart on you, Matt. Well, it it, it keeps cutting to a picture poets. of it, and because they make Kurt Cobain out to be like a a, a good all American kid, apart from the drugs. Yeah. Right, and the pictures oh, yeah, they yeah, have they... of him, he just looks lovely. He looks like a... they do he largely like the guys skim over. With.
1: Yeah, they do largely skim over his heroin thingy. They, yes. they mention that very quickly in passing because yeah. Courtney tells him he stays in fancy hotels, and then Dylan says no, he doesn't stay. He stays in low rent hotels, the kind of places where they don't complain about the smell of heroin. Yeah, is where he he stays. Like whenever the teaspoons go missing, they're not complaining. <laughs> where Kurt Cobain <laughs> stays, but not not the Radisson.
0: What I liked about the documentary, just because my attention span is uh, not very good, um, probably from the, uh, the the battered youth I took, uh, it's the fact that whoever was speaking, as they cut to them, they just kept their name and their credentials on the screen. Mm. Which I, I thought that was a really nice little... Um, so Norm oh. Norm Stamper, who kept, kept popping up, he was the chief of police at the time that it happened. Yeah. And you're like, hang on, mate... You, I don't think you did a proper job.
1: <laughs> oh, the reenactment of him. did you get
0: them, paid to be on this documentary?
1: The reenactment of him talking to the police officers was fascinating because they, they they he they act like he's interrogating the police officer and he's like a belligerent guy saying, "I want a lawyer." Yeah. When he gives a give a piece of evidence and then like the react the guy just shrugs and puts it back to him. and Go, yeah, anyone could have done that.
0: He's like, I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Yeah.
1: Just absolutely stonewalling uh, the guy. And then it's when they go in and he finds a new note from this guy, Callie, who wasn't in the documentary at all. He was nowhere to be found, but I think he's a big part of it.
0: It was a big, it was a, the note seemed like it was a big plant, right? That was. Uh, oh. Yeah.
1: Kurt, I got get in touch with Courtney. Kurt, she's had another accident. It's like Courtney Cox is like a slutty lemon. (laughs) Like she just (laughs)
0: to draw Kurt Cobain out, she put a she put a press story out there that she'd had an overdose.
1: Yeah, he'll get in touch now.
0: Here's how much he liked her. He didn't get in contact.
1: Um... (laughs) Yeah, Uh, and that again, it all reinforces the whole the is coming. Yeah. And then and they what's t- happened with it?
0: They, they kept cutting to uh, what I really liked is they had some genuine professional people on there um, to say why the investigation was bodged. So one guy on there, um, he'd written a book about how to conduct a proper homicide investigation. Yes. And the book was called uh, Practical Homicide Investigation, 4th <laughs> Edition. So it was just... <laughs> And he was just saying everything that was wrong with the the case, you know, because they ruled it as suicide that very day, didn't they?
1: Yeah, that afternoon. Yeah. They they even said the patrol officer says it's suicide and then if there's no problems with it. Um, But it's then um, things like they never got the crime scene photographs developed.
0: Yeah, they didn't do the... they, They released the body after six days so she could cremate it, but they didn't do the fingerprints on the gun for 30 days. Yeah. Well... Right. But that's a little bit insane, isn't it? That's...
1: It's, it's and, and she had so... the, then they
0: gave the gun to her and she had it melted down. What? Oh. <laughs> How corrupt is this? <laughs> and what did he say? The guy who wrote uh, the practical homicide investigation, uh, basically there's three types of death from a cop's point of view. There's homicide, there's suicide, and there's an accident. And if it's not one of them three, they're, they're just baffled. But even the other cop doesn't like Tom, does he?
1: No, no, no one likes Tom. no one likes Tom. That was... uh... But then there's the calls of Courtney where she's claiming Kurt had wrote a suicide note for Rome. Yeah, and this is where it gets very dodgy in her... But the police officer told her to destroy it because there's some bad things in (laughs) it. It doesn't Um, make you look good. And then Tom Captain America sat there going, "Which police officer is telling you to destroy evidence?" <laughs> Which is a fair point. But the the um, thing is, the
0: um, the lead investigator on the on on the case was going to be fired for stealing ten thousand dollars on another
1: case and planting evidence and in the, different cases. Yeah, yeah.
0: and uh, he was as dodgy as it like you know as, as it gets.
1: Uh, but uh, then we start to hear from their agent. Now this always, th- this always like yeah, their entertainment lawyer. Yeah, so so the agent, uh, I forget what Rose Rosemary Carroll. Rosemary Carroll, yeah, you know you've made it big. You're a big deal when your agent has to act like your mum. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? She did everything. She listened to all the arguments. It was never like, you go and do a booking here. Kurt. It's just like, oh, how can we help you? You're the cash cow. Yeah. Um, and she's very strong in saying, no, Courtney's done this. Courtney's done that. They then find the suicide note, which is, it's basically like a song passage. And then yeah, someone's poetry, wrote...
0: right? Bit, bits of it were poetry.
1: Yeah. there was literally poetry. And then the bottom lines are, I can't do this anymore. It's not fun for me.
0: And, yeah, they, they bring in an expert in the, in handwriting who says, well, yeah, it looks like it's copied.
1: Well, they also found the cheat sheet where they <laughs> were practicing their writing. <laughs> like,
0: we said, well, we don't know that that was Courtney Love, right? Because I'm on Courtney Love's side here.
1: Hang Courtney Love or Callie is who, who they're saying that would have been. Callie seems like a weird one.
0: He then cuts to the toxicology report.
1: Now, you will get to know this guy. Do you know the bald guy who talks about how badly they've done things? Yep. Yeah. He is in so many documentaries. Oh, really? It, is he the go-to he, guy? He, he was even in the Epstein documentary recently talking about the, um, how he had a broken mandible, which doesn't happen when you hang yourself, which, which okay. proves that it was... It might have been forced while the guards were sleeping and the cameras were shut off for that just one cell for <laughs> two hours.
0: Oh, right, so he's like the go-to person who discredits he's... everybody else.
1: He's the he's the go-to documentary uh, pathologist or forensic scientist or whatever. Yeah,
0: is he Quincy? He's found he's found
1: a good da. record. I could turn up to anyone. And go the way they did things. Bullshit. They can't get. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling bullshit on everything you guys are doing what he does is every time he's in a documentary, he will tell you how many cases it's been. And it's always even more or less since the last documentary. Oh, Because
0: he's the guy. Yeah, that's right. So he's the guy who said, um, hang on. I made a note of this. Cause I, I, I quite liked him, right? He's like, I'll call it bullshit on all of this. He basically Doctor Cyril H. Wecht was his name. He was the forensic pathologist. And he said he worked on the Marilyn Monroe case, the JFK case. Um, now the, And the yep. reason I perked up at that was I was, my first ever job when I left school, I was a bellboy in a hotel. And one of oh, our yeah. guests was the head buyer for the Hard Rock Cafe. And he used to go out and buy memorabilia for the Hard Rock Cafe and then come to the hotel, drop it off. i would take it up to his room and he'd go out and buy more stuff. And one day he gives me a box and I'm like, oh, thanks, Mr. Murphy. And he went, uh, take that up to my room, Matt, and he chucked me some cash. Um, lovely. Family.
1: The way you said thanks, Mr. Murphy, makes you sound like a Victorian child.
0: <laughs> I was, I mister. was like a Victorian child. Yeah, it was. That's exactly what days how it today, was today, sir. The Americans loved all of that. I docked <laughs> off the pillbox cap and all of that. <laughs> oh, God bless you, man. Oh, mate, I was in tips. I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was having. I'd more in tips than I did in salary. But anyway, so he goes, look, when you get up to the room, he goes, put that down, and he goes, you might want to. He goes, if you touch that piece of cloth in there, he goes. You might get to talk about that one day. And I thought, that's a weird thing to say. And I was like, okay. Today's the day. I finally get to talk about it. So took it upstairs, put it on the bed, touched the piece of cloth, um, and it was basically it was a bed sheet. And it was the bed sheet that Marilyn Monroe was found dead in. That's my claim <laughs> to fame. That's all I've got. Uh and that's why. Well, I are they put
1: like putting t- that no they're not putting that on the table in the hard rock, are they? I like... yeah, God
0: knows what they're what they're doing with that. But um it's the fact that someone kept it and, you know, and now it's got my semen stains on it. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I used the tissue. Um.
1: As long as you got the tips. Um, <laughs> so, where, where, where are we at? So, yeah, you were saying about the forensic guy.
0: Yeah, so the forensic guy, yeah, I liked him. Just because he went, oh, this is... He, he's the guy who comes into any situation. He's like the dad over the whole thing. Here's what you've Mm. done wrong, all of you. Here's how I would have done it. I wasn't asked in the first place, but if I was, I would have done it properly. Yeah, again,
1: everyone was so self-righteous. I'm sure I saw him in Staircase. I think he was was in the Epstein documentary. There must be three others, I recognise. There's a John Bernier-Ramsey one I've seen him in. Like He is is the superstar of the industry.
0: Because they brought in a few experts, didn't they? And they all had, yep. they just had credence to, um, to to Tom Grant's argument. They're like, yeah, well, Tom Grant said it, it must be true. Look,
1: yeah, and uh, then the so they talk about the shotgun very shortly after this, yeah, and it shows you how many shells he bought. Yeah, he bought a I love the shells. I I thought, well, you can't really just buy one. Like if someone comes in and buys a shotgun <laughs> in America. <laughs> and gets a bunch of them, that's, you know, the, the, that's gun, okay. the bullet. That's okay. Yeah, they could be going but to if school. if that person buys one shotgun cell, you're going to go, I'm going to hear his name in the next few days.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's not going to be a repeat customer. I'm not seeing them again. <laughs> but the, the toxicology report, right, it, they said he had three people's worth of heroin in his body.
1: This is where the conspiracy really gathers steam. Yeah, he had more heroin than you he could possibly yeah. move with, now, let I've, alone.
0: I've done my time on opiates, right? Um, so I've had a few operations. You build up resilience to it, but I can tell you this: if you have a shot of opium, which is you know clinical, uh, it's medical heroin, um, mm-hmm. you are not controlling fire firearms. I can tell you that <laughs> for a start, because they, they one of the reenactments is is his friend Dylan. After he's had a shot of heroin, he could barely yeah. speak. What? And then you're supposed to be—you have all this heroin inside, right three per- people's worth of heroin, and then what? You you load a shotgun, you you sort it all out, and then you end up.
1: While you must be feeling the most intense high of your life as well, yeah. like that is not something I imagine. There is no you way would... you want to
0: die when you're when you're in that when you're in that high. It's the most alive you've ever felt. I'm not condoning yeah. drugs, but they are great fun, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, they,
1: they, they wouldn't do it if they didn't feel amazing. The problem yeah. is the after effects in the real world. Yeah, why do you think they keep, keep going about,
0: back? <laughs>
1: <laughs> they even talk about uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman mm. and how he was found with 50 bags of heroin and a needle in his arm and they still didn't rule that a suicide until they did the toxicologies yeah. and everything like that. Now... Um,
0: but they, put, they found see... the worst picture of Philip Seymour Hoffman you could possibly find. The guy was in about 50 films, right? Tell you Is what, that the you best watched picture that... you've
1: got? You watch that last Hunger Games movie, and you can tell. Yeah. You can tell. Because everything's shot a year or two in advance, so you'd see a movie of this, and you go, I had no idea he was in a bad shape. And then you see the Hunger Games movie, you think he's like Daniel Day-Lewis and the whole living in poverty. Yeah, yeah. He's just gaunt. He doesn't look himself... He's, he's um,
0: um, Christian Bauer out of the machinist. <laughs> he's just skinned down at nothing.
1: So so the, the, again, that's another example of how they didn't do it. And this is great because you will see a lot of documentaries where you learn about white 90s police officers whenever the press are looking at them. If you're walking past their eye eyeline on a, on, on, a, on a crime scene, you're getting collared and then hosed down, hit with a phone book until you admit you didn't. Yeah,
0: you are being tied to a radiator.
1: There's the whole, the mayor's on my ass thing. The minute they have any kind of pressure to wrap something up quickly, it gets wrapped up quickly, and then yeah. they close ranks. Like,
0: As he says in Casablanca, right? Let's round up the usual suspects. Yeah. And then they mention, and this is genuinely when I I started cursing your name, Rick, because... <laughs> I was kind of watching this. Going, this isn't really my thing. There's, you know, I'm all unicorns and lollipops, right? <laughs> An opium from the sounds of it. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, I'm watching this thing about this potential suicide, or did his girl, did his wife do it? But then they mentioned there's another documentary.
1: Yes, there's the Courtney Love one. She oh self released.
0: A... Oh right. Oh so montage of heck. Of their I version. think
1: it's called. So the, so these rumors were always there, but they never had them all gathered with the evidence in that place. So Courtney released a documentary to dispel the rumors, basically, is what it was. Uh, Because Tom Grant is not happy to have been in that documentary. He's like, I cooperated with the directors of that documentary, and then they show you like a clip of as you can see, Tom Grant is talking bullshit because of this <laughs> test we did with someone on morphine and they could clearly stand on one leg. So his story, fuck you, Tom Grant.
0: <laughs> you can stand on one leg when you're on morphine. You just, as Bill Hicks says, you realize what's the point? Why bother? I'm just going to lay here and enjoy it.
1: Yeah. The test, the test was is it wasn't intravenous and it was morphine, not heroin to prove.
0: But the, the brilliant thing about the that, science right? behind it. Um, and this proper, this made me laugh so much. I called my missus into, to watch this bit. So basically, they showed, uh, they had a cartoon image of a body, and then they jacked it up with heroin. But what they had on the cartoon image was they had track lines to show the cartoon image yeah. was yeah, yeah. heroin the,
1: the dirty smacker. Yeah. yeah, I love the fact they <laughs> included that. You As you can see, the that. nice person taking the pill for morphine, yeah. clean arms. <laughs> this guy. This guy. Is,
0: <laughs> there was just track marks all up the cartoon's arm and everything. It just looked awful.
1: And and then they go into the trajectory of the shotgun cell. Now, I have to be completely honest at this point. When you show me a cartoon with someone speaking honestly... Uh, sorry, speaking confidently and scientifically, I will believe it because of the speed in which it goes. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. So it shows you the, the anthro... Anth- no. An- I don't know the fucking... I- I- it's the
0: wordization.
1: Something of that, yeah. of the, the actions of... The person should have show the body arm and where his arm is next to the trigger, and how would the shotgun shell fly this side if yep. there wasn't a, a thing there? So what they're saying is someone set him up with it. The shotgun shell then bounced, hit the person that was holding the gun, making him shoot himself. Ricocheting bullets into the other way, but they do it so quickly and so smoothly. You could convince me of anything because yes. you're like, oh, because you don't have time to stop and digest it. Yeah, and they put but lines if,
0: on it, of the tra- you know the, where the bullet trajectory would have gone and where the shell casing went
1: you would need to be in that field to disprove it which is why going to court terrifies me there is a one i might get you to watch called fantastic lies the duke lacrosse team uh get accused of sexually assaulting someone and there's a whole pressure because duke is in an area durham north carolina low income everyone hates the posh rich kids that come to that university and so the whole town jumps on these kids and basically their lawyer read a half a book about DNA evidence for another trial he was working on the night before. And when the DNA evidence got presented, they just had to hope not to be asked the wrong questions. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they can prove, you can tell by X, Y, and Z is such and such as DNA evidence. They never say that their DNA was there, but you need an expert who knows exactly what all those terms mean. To prove to an because they destroy the case in a second on the documentary, but if you didn't have that one guy reading one page of a DNA book, that's thirteen lads in jail. Yeah, so that kind of stuff always sticks with me. But
0: it's it's But when they they were talking about the um. That, that ricochet bullet right is basically that's JFK territory, isn't it? We're in, we're getting into mm. now. That is proper. Th- then you start getting into conspiracy theories and and what what I liked about the documentary. I, have you ever done one of those Jack the Ripper tours in London? You, you <laughs> God, no. Okay, no. Well, you, you do a walk, right? You do it in a no, you yeah. do it in a November evening about six o'clock, and you walk around all the sites where oh, Jack does the, the guy Rippers. have like a fake pipe yeah basically right yeah yeah and uh there's there's you and about 20 american tourists and a couple of japanese tourists and you sort of walk around and what you do is by the end of it basically you've worked out the theory of who the jack the ripper is because the guy's presented a case to you and he Mm. says well this woman was found like this and uh, the queen's cousin and there was a doctor involved so at the end of it you're like I know who Jack the Ripper was, and that was the whole—that's the whole point of it, right? And then the guy gives you his version of who the Jack the Ripper was. That was exactly what this documentary made me feel. I started yeah. thinking, I could solve who killed Kurt Donald Cambain. This is easy. <laughs> it was clearly obvious. And the more evidence they presented me with, I'm starting making notes. Going, well, if the if the shell casing bounced out, the 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 shotgun like that. Clearly, there was another person in the room. Or did they kill him somewhere else and then move his body there? And mm. Yeah, so by the end of it, Dylan did it.
1: Which <laughs> Dylan did
0: it, <laughs> so, it. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. All
1: right I've, I've got a theory.
0: Yeah, what's your theory?
1: I think it was the cubbing curse. <laughs> <and> he, <laughs> I think he dropped the shotgun when he was high. It went <laughs> off and killed him. I think it was the cubbing curse. I think...
0: I think the reason he had all of that heroin in his system, I think he put some heroin in his system, and basically when he when he ended up dead, that Dylan guy went, we oh, better make this look like, yeah, let's jack him up with more heroin. But he'd the thing is, before he got into the greenhouse and and, and sadly died, um, he was in rehab.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was in rehab. And you see him playing it, with
0: his baby in rehab. Yeah.
1: Oh, just quickly going back to a thing you said earlier. Do you know how you said you went on that walking tour? Yep. The reason why I'll never do another one that went centre parks with the family. So, like, my mum booked it up, wanted the whole family to be together. Brother, his missus, me and our lass, my mum and dad, centre parks. And uh, no one agreed to do activities except for our lass because she's too nice. So she'd got signed up to do a bunch of dumb stuff where I was just like there's no chance I'm this. so we got into arguments where I had to agree to do one thing so maybe my me brother agreed to do the nature walk with me dad and my dad is loves his nature loves his rambling on the on the moors and wildlife and bird watching and all that stuff he's mad for it. so he's like front of the class asking questions but he's not really asking questions he's pointing that he noticed stuff <laughs> Do you, do you know the kind yes. of person I mean on those? I know exactly
0: I, the sort of bloke you mean,
1: yep. And me and my brother rode a little, and then there was no animals. That They the showed us a box where bats might be, uh, and this whole nature reserve. So we just walked around center parks, and then we went on this hill, and my brother, me and my brother just cracked up laughing at this. Um, the guy goes, okay, now I want you to close your eyes. How many animals can you hear? And someone went, three? And he went, no, it was six. And <laughs> we walked off. <laughs>
0: yeah. He didn't tell you who the six were?
1: Oh, God, no. No, there was a field. I went, oh, there's some horses over there. goes, oh, yeah, that's not our field. Keep walking.
0: <laughs> three. No, you're wrong, idiot.
1: I'll just never forget my brother's impression of just crying, he goes, uh, how many animals can hear? Eight, actually, but, you know. <laughs> When you work in wildlife, you get to know the difference.
0: Whatever number you say, you're going to be wrong. Because
1: I'm the. Sorry. So, we're almost at the end of of this. All right. So, there's the. We had the suicide note. We had the toxicology report. We had how much money Courtney stood to make. Yep. From it. And. And we didn't talk wholly about like basically the. I love the, the 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 scene which it's the audio recording between the agent and Tom Grant, and uh, she going she definitely killed him. That's that's yeah. not someone's wrote that out. You're not recording this, are you? And he goes, I am recording this, Rosemary. Yeah, she I goes, record ah, every shit. conversation. <laughs> yeah. turn it off. I don't <laughs> want to be recording. Puts the phone down. Is never heard from again. Like well, she sends him a really to.
0: threatening letter, doesn't she? You know, she she gets medieval on his ass because she's a lawyer. Yeah. Like, even though she's yeah. an entertainment lawyer, she's still a bloody lawyer. That's
1: um, well, the golden cash cow because if she reps Courtney Love, she's now getting 12% of... Cool. Yeah, absolutely. ...the, the royalties. So. so I know it wasn't as positive a documentary uh, as you like, but there is, with these, always meat on the bone to talk about. Oh, the way loads. they present the stuff and then... One thing
0: I could... The saving grace for Tom Grant is he sent Courtney Love a letter insinuating that he thought she was involved in his death. Yes. For that, I was like, oh, fair play, man. You've got the courage of your convictions, right? So fair play to you. And then when Courtney Love says to Tom, and this is a recording and they play it back, she says, Tom, you owe me a big apology when this is all over. And then he replies, well, if I'm wrong, and it's a (laughs) big, he really stresses, if I'm wrong. You'll get it. I don't think she ever got that apology.
1: No, no, I, I, I don't think so. Either. But I, I do until that point when you see that letter. I was thinking, who's paying his expenses? Because he is talking like an expensive operator, Like I've got a team yeah. on the ground in Seattle. I need uh, expenses yeah. to here there is then his his fee on top of that, and it's, it is Courtney that's paying that. so she can obviously feel like she's controlling it. Do you know what I mean?
0: He's like, I'm, I've but- got, I've, I've got a team watching this, and she went. No, no, don't don't have a team watching that, and he thinks it's because she's dodgy. I think it's because she's poor. No, nah, because a team I costs money.
1: That will be the money of it. But um, I mean, so I take it you're not a Kurt Cobain truther after this. No, <laughs> I I'm,
0: I'm sorry that he died because he, he, the guy who told me my friend the South African who told me he had died and he was genuinely upset. He looked like Kurt Cobain. Uh, he, ah, he, right. no word of a lie, right? We went to a Christmas party once uh organized because we went to the same firm and it was in Hammersmith he didn't turn up for work the next day and I was I was his manager and I spoke to him on the on the Monday I said hey man where, where were you on Friday and he said uh, you know that waitress from the Christmas party and I went oh yeah he went well yeah we just spent the last three days in bed I went what he went yeah she's big Kirk Cobain fan <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, he had... Um, and he was just... He's the loveliest fella going. Uh, lives in... I think he lives in... Uh, what's that country above South Africa? Is
1: North it... Africa? No.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. I'm needing the toilet brick here. So let's wrap it up. Okay, I want your quite. score out out of five for Soaked in Bleach.
0: Okay. So Soaked in Bleach. Um, I'll, I'll give my score first because I'm sure I know what you're going to give it. Um, Just it got me thinking, right? It, it got me into it. I was... I was I was invested watching it so uh, yeah it wasn't yeah it wasn't time wasted I genuinely I, I I did enjoy it so um yeah I'm going to give this one a, a healthy 3 healthy 3
1: I'm I'm going to I'm going to give it a 4 I'm going to I enjoyed it uh, I thought it was good conspiracy good good evidence to it and the re- if anyone's going to watch this documentary after listening to us honestly the reenactments are worth it alone and just imagine that that someone is telling their side of a story that they've been getting shit for for 20 years, and that's now the cartoon image of what they see is happening.
0: And even to this day, Kurt Cobain's voice, uh, it's Kurt Cobain's name pops into his head 300 times a day, you know, and you just, you got a feel for that guy. So uh, thank you very much uh, for listening. We have uh, more... More documentaries coming up and you can follow us on social media or the normal channels, Twitter, Instagram. We've got a Facebook page. Uh, if you want to get in touch with myself or Rick, you can email us old school in discussing documentaries at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is uh, discuss doc pod. So yeah, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you shortly. Brilliant.